This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here we go. Week six of the One Abed podcast. We are live. We are recording. As always, I am your co-host, David Schiff. Happy to be here with my friend, my compatriot, Miles V. Miles, what's going on? Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. David, I've learned from my mistakes, and I'm now ready to chew bubblegum and kick some ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> well, I feel sorry for the asses. I uh, I thought our last podcast with Dave Jessica was our best one yet, and, uh, and at least that's what I heard from several of our listeners. Uh, two of our listeners even told me that their mom listened to the show and liked it. But one of them was my sister, so it probably doesn't count. Thanks a lot, Mom. <laughs> Way to go, Mom. I uh, I also noticed we had a few more reviews come in via the Apple Podcast app. Uh, Vape God said they found our podcast super interesting and like to watch it while driving the work. Well, Vape God, I don't know what substance you're vaping, but thank you for your review and don't vape and drive. Pretty sure Vape God is my 15-year-old junior in high school, but that's okay. Listen, I didn't think we were on video, but maybe with enough weed, uh, you can watch us anytime you want. I don't know. Uh, Also, we heard from the Brown Daddy, who simply loves this podcast. Thank you, Brown Daddy. The Brown Daddy? What's what's that all about? Personally, I think it's likely that the Brown Daddy is really Nick Chubb. I mean, either it is or it isn't, so there's a 50% chance that it's Nick Chubb. I've even got a semi-chub just thinking about it, to be honest. (laughs) Isn't the brown daddy Nick Cannon? Doesn't he have like 10 kids? Could be, but let me say this. If you'd like to add to our reviews with something positive to say, like our friends Vape God and Brown Daddy, please feel free to express those kind words. We do appreciate the feedback. And if you only have negative things to say about the show, remember, we are called The Ringer, and you could write all the negative things you want by going to The Ringer Podcast and telling them, I mean us, Uh, How you feel? Well, as always at the start of our podcast, we look back and we recap last week's bets and go through all the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, Not going to sugarcoat things. For me, there was a lot of ugly. So I'm going to start by recapping my bets. Miles, I have a question for you. I'm here. What? What do you prefer? Do you prefer a tight game that you lose by a point on the spread in the last moment? Or do you prefer a blowout that you never had even close from day one and you just never had to worry about it because you were so far off? 
Yeah, I think it's going to depend on my mood. If there's a lot of games going on and then there's a blowout, I'm I'm very happy to switch gears and then watch something where I have more more things on the line. But uh most of the time though, I want that close game because I'm I have hope and I just hope that it, you know, ends up going my way. Did it not go your way this week, David? I had both of those games this week. Let's just put it that way. Uh and I think, you know, the close games are so agonizing to watch. And in this game in particular that I'll talk about, it's my team. So I was all over that game and just squirming and sweating every moment. But then when you have the blowouts, you start to question your ability as a handicapper. You're like, I was so far off on this. I don't know what I'm thinking. You know, people are going to give me grief. Deservedly so. My first game was the over on the Detroit Lion New England Patriots, and the over was 46 and a half. This was actually a good game for me. So if you remember last week, I had pointed out that the Detroit Lions were the only team in NFL history to, after four games, not only have averaged 35 points a game scoring, but averaged 35 points a game in giving up points. So they had been in games that involved 280 points going into week five. And so all New England had to do was score 12 points. Didn't matter if it was Bailey Zappi at quarterback. Didn't matter if it was Miles Villas at quarterback. And they lived up to the bargain. 29 points. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm being told that the Detroit Lions actually scored zero points. What the fuck? Detroit has surprised every single week. You know, you never, you don't know what you're going to get. And just when you think there's a pattern to them scoring and them, you know, giving up a lot of points, they decided this week to stop scoring. If there was one line, one score, one team, one moment from week five that surprised me, it was the Detroit Lions scoring zero points. I don't know how that happened. Well, actually, I do know how that happened. Detroit Lions went for fourth down six times failed every time. That is a pretty good indicator that you're not scoring points. You're not kicking field goals. You're not getting the job done. Never close on this one. All New England. I kind of predicted the New England side. Their offense only scored one touchdown. Nick Folk kicked four field goals. They had one defensive touchdown. That's all they needed. Uh, If you're a big Ramondre Stevenson fan and pulled him off of your fantasy bench, he rushed for 161 yards. I don't know what to say about this game. First time in 25 years that the team leading the league in scoring gets shut out going into week five. It was just a disaster from week from from the from the get go. So my bet on that, not that it matters, was 330 to win 300. Moving on to the close game. I'm a Charger fan. I had the Chargers minus three over Cleveland, 420 to win 400. And let's just start by saying that I hate analytics. I have come to that conclusion in my football betting career, and I hate Brandon Staley. So those two things combined did not produce a good result for me. First quarter, Cleveland goes down and scores. It's 7-0. Chargers go down. They are in the red zone in Cleveland. It's fourth down. They decide to go for it. They fail. Should have kicked a field goal. They don't. Cleveland goes back. They score again. It's 14-0. Now, the Chargers did fight back and win this game, should have had three more points. They end up winning 30 to 28, so they win the game, but they don't cover the three points. I lose my $420 bet. 
Now, the Chargers are actually really lucky to have won this game because Brandon Staley pulled another boner in the fourth quarter where inside his own territory with under two minutes to go, they went for it on fourth down and and gave the ball to Cleveland in Charger territory and got lucky that they missed a field goal. Yeah, yeah. Missed field goals have been such a uh, major occurrence in games this year, and and these games are depending on it. And when I saw that they decided to go for it, I was scratching my head on that one, too. Made no sense to me. There were so many things about this game that I called right. You know, Austin Eckler finally has gotten untracked. He rushed for his career high 173 yards. I said that, uh, you know, Nick Chubb was going to do his damage, but Jacoby Brissett was just too unpredictable. Chubb ran for 134 yards with a touchdown. Brissett was unpredictable through a late uh, interception that really hurt the Browns. Khalil Mack was kind of absent for this game. That was the one thing that surprised me. He didn't really get in and disrupt the game. Doesn't matter. Yay, my Chargers won the game. They don't cover. I lose this bet. I lose the 420 to win 400. Yeah, that's uh, kind of bittersweet for you. Your your home team that you love gets the win, and uh, you lose the bet because it couldn't cover. That's got to feel a little bit odd. A little bit of a kissing your sister, as they say. Now, my third game was the Miami Dolphins minus three at New York Jets, 250 to win 208. There's not much to say about this game, and I'm going to take a little bit of a tangent here because, as you know, everybody is talking about how much the pendulum has swung to favor quarterbacks being hit. So there were three very significant calls in games across the league that benefited the quarterbacks, and really impacted games. So number one, the Chiefs did win, but Chris Jones was in the process of sacking and stripping Derek Carr. The ball ends up in his right hand. He falls on Derek Carr, breaks his fall. They say he landed with his full weight. They call unnecessary roughness. Yeah, that was the weakest, I think. Well, Well, I think that's tied. What's the next one that you've got? Tom Brady being sacked by Grady Jarrett. Grady kind of slings him around. Uh, and a necessary roughness called at a time where the Falcons had scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and that penalty kept them from getting the ball back. Tampa Bay was allowed to run out the clock. Significant call. And then this call in the Dolphins-Jet game. First play of the game. Dolphins have the ball on the two. Bridgewater goes back. He's in the end zone. Hard tackle as he's throwing it. They call, uh, they call intentional grounding in the end zone. So then they get the two points. At first, they were examining his elbow, but then an independent NFL observer says that he stumbled. He passed concussion protocols, says he saw him stumble, pulls him out of the game, and now the Miami Dolphins are playing with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. That was an overreaction to Tua. I mean, let's just call it what it is. 100%. Now, let's be honest. Dolphins gave up 40 points to the Jets, so no guarantee they were going to win that game. Although, interesting, it was 19-17 to Jets after the third quarter, and Miami just fell apart in the fourth quarter, giving up 21 points. The Jets did have five rushing touchdowns. I don't know what would have happened if Bridgewater is in that game the whole time, but I can tell you there is a huge Stumblegate controversy in Miami. The people in Miami are not happy. It was a terrible call. I believe it definitely cost me at least a more competitive, uh, you know, position in the game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you were talking about last week that what is Teddy Bridgewater's nickname? It's Teddy Covers. 
Teddy Covers was on the sideline the whole game because they don't call Skylar Thompson Skylar Covers. Nobody's ever heard of this guy. So I got the silver sombrero for the week. I shit the bed. I missed all of my bets. Oh, that didn't pan out. We'll talk about the punishment in a little bit, but I am ready to move on to week six uh, mentally. But before we do that, obviously we're going to recap your bets in a second, but we did have the pleasure of comedian Dave Juskow on the podcast last week, and he was fabulous. We love you, Dave. Thank you for coming on. You came on cold, and Dave had a really nice showing. So Dave's big bet was the Charger game. As we know, they did not cover. So that was 500 to win 476. But then Dave really turned it on. He had the Falcons uh, plus nine covering Tampa Bay, 300 to win 273. And what a daring bet this was because Atlanta did not have Cordero Patterson. They did not have Kyle Pitts. They did not have Drake London. Marcus Mariota threw for 147 yards in the game. He was the leading rusher on the Falcons with 61 yards. And yet the Falcons somehow found a way to to cover this game by scoring 15 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. So Jusko had a premonition. He must have known what was going on. I think he said, yeah, the the Falcons are undefeated against the spread. And, uh, you know, just as you pointed out, they had a chance to outright win if they don't have that roughing the passer call, they're they're getting the ball with the chance to to charge ahead. So uh, good for Juskow for staying with the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, so Juskow put 573 into his bank for that. Now, he was probably never going to win because Tom Brady never loses, and I mean never loses to Atlanta. He's 11-0, and it's also been about 20 years since Tom Brady has lost three straight games. So, you know, Brady works the magic. Tampa Bay holds on to win that game. Juskow wins his bet. And Juskow's last bet is that he had Houston plus seven over Jacksonville, 200 to win 190. Houston wins this game outright. Uh, Jacksonville has really gone into the tank. Uh, the final on that was uh, Houston 13, Jacksonville six. So Juskow won 390 on that game. And it was Houston's first win of the season. And Jacksonville shut out in the second half. Trevor Lawrence has six turnovers in the last two games. So he's really hit the wall. Juskow took advantage of that. Juskow finishes with $963 in his bank. That is a very, very solid showing. Yeah, pretty close to breaking even there. Um, you know, I remember him saying he didn't think the Jaguars should be giving seven points to anyone. And he was right. He was right. But did he come in first or did he come in second, Miles? Please let us know. Well, let's talk about our listener, Don, who likes to tweet us his bets. He hit two out of four of his bets this week. He cashed uh, two separate $300 bets, netting him just shy of under $1,200. So that's two positive weeks in a row for Donnie. And he actually did better than Jeskow. And, of course, he did better than you. But not enough to beat my week. Uh, Just to enumerate his picks, he had the Titans for the second week in a row, as well as the 49ers over the Panthers. So those were great for Don. He also bet the Eagles, who won but did not cover, and that was a tough break for him there. Uh, Finally, his wild parlay that uh, he puts together that was going to pay like $2,000 to one did not hit, thankfully. Uh, And don't forget that you, too, can make your picks by going to our Twitter website at Podcast and tweet us your picks. Absolutely. If you think you can do better with $1,000 that we can do, 
Well, you're probably right when it comes to me, but Miles is a whole different story, so bring it on. Yeah, so here were my picks for the week. We uh, started out with Dallas plus five and a half against the Rams. How about them, Cowboys? I uh, declared last podcast that the Cowboy defense was strikingly similar to the 49er defense when it comes to putting pressure on the quarterback, and the Cowboys proved me right. Their defense was pretty phenomenal. Uh, They held the Rams to just 10 points and shut them out in the whole second half. The game started off great for Dallas. The defense had a strip sack and a fumble return for a touchdown, followed closely by a block punt. So the pressure was always on the Rams to come from behind, and that played right in the Dallas game plan. You totally called this game from the week before where the 49er defensive line uh, really disrupted the Rams, and you said there was going to be a repeat with Dallas, and you were absolutely right. Matthew Stafford was uneasy the entire game never got comfortable, and I think we found a way uh, to beat the Rams, which is just pressure up the middle, disrupt him. Allen Robinson, where is that guy? MIA still, just three catches. Rams only had 38 yards rushing. It was a very dominant defensive showing. Yeah, Cooper Cup still found the end zone, but it really wasn't enough, and I thought that the Cowboys would outright win the game, but I took the points just in case. But uh, that came in. 440 was my bet to win 400, so I netted 840 back to my bank. My next bet, uh, <laughs> this was Minnesota minus 7 against the Bears. And this is a game, if you recall, where I said I wish the spread were 6.5 instead of 7. Uh, ultimately, the line actually moved to 7.5, so call me happy for getting the better line. But uh, the Vikings won by seven, and I got a push uh, or a tie on that one. And I I could have bought down the points. I guess you're always able to say, I want to buy a half a point and get it at a worse odds. But I went ahead and gambled with the seven. And they do say a tie is like kissing your sister, but I'm part Targaryen. So in my case, uh, kissing your sister has a whole different meaning. Which part Targaryen are you? Just kidding. I'm 100% Lannister. (laughs) You got some dragon wings hidden that I don't know about? (laughs) Um, Minnesota was dominating that game. Uh, They let the Bears back into it and even gave up the lead in the fourth quarter. And I think Minnesota at the end needed a touchdown and a two-point conversion to go ahead by that seven. And earlier this year, I've been lamenting that, you know, my luck's been real shitty on two-point conversions and I've lost several bets on failed two-point conversions. But here I will gladly take that money back. And uh, I bet $450 on that game, and that one goes back to my bank, giving me $1,290. So, A couple of things here on the Minnesota game. Uh, Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson had big games. little fun fact, the Vikings have trailed with less than five minutes to go in their last three games, and they've won all three. They are finding a way to get it done. You have um, given us your total of $1,290, but you didn't give us all three of your games because you didn't win all three of your games. Yeah, no, no. I'll uh, I'll go back to that last game. But I will say watching that game and watching the Bears, you know, the Bears, they play the Commanders uh, Thursday night this week. Uh, praise be. <laughs> and I think the world's going to celebrate by watching game two of the Yankees Guardian series instead. Because if you thought the Denver Indianapolis Thursday night game was bad, well, just wait uh, for the Bears Commanders it won't surprise me if the Denver coach gets fired all in that rule 
Uh, so this game is going to be a snoozer. If this game wasn't on Thursday night, and we don't typically bet Thursday nights because we don't know when the podcast were loaded, this was my first bet to take the under, and the under's 38. I think it's going to be an absolute horrible thing to watch. Yeah, I like that bet. I like that bet. That's the one you should have got. You should have taken. Yeah, maybe I'm what have, could have, should have. I'm sure I'll regret it next week. But what was that third bet of yours? That last bet was Pittsburgh plus 14 against the Bills. And I basically bet the minimum amount to experiment whether receiving 14 points is an automatic win in the NFL. And it turns out that it's not. Uh, as my good man Fletch would say, I like men. I like being manhandled. I like you. The Steelers were just manhandled. I mean, other than a first quarter field goal by the Steelers, there was nothing else to speak of uh, by the Steelers offense. And by the second quarter, I knew I would lose the bet. Uh, So when you were saying, which would you rather do? Would you rather have a close game or rather be out early? This is a game where I was out early and I just stopped watching. And my only comfort is that Colin Cowherd made the same mistake and tweeted about it. So at least I'm in good company. There you go. So, yeah, overall, I netted $12.90 on the week. So if you made the bets that I made, you would have been up almost $300. I'm not playing. Yeah, and I think $12.90 is our best week ever. So congratulations. You definitely uh, earned that. You pull ahead in terms of the number of weeks, three weeks to two. And I have it somewhere. I believe your bank is $3,799. Mine is $2,663. Going back to the Bills game, just couple of crazy things. I don't know if you saw Gabe Davis's line for the game. Three catches, 171 yards, two touchdowns, including a 98-yarder. And if you saw the 65-yard in the air pass that Allen threw to Gabe Davis for the second ball, that guy is inhuman. Unbelievable arm strength, incredible play. You just sort of watch that with your jaw dropping to the ground. Yeah. So, so David, I noticed you're wearing a mustache this week. Actually, I, I, I can barely notice it. A lonely caterpillar uh, gr- crawled into my room and died on my upper lip, which is a better assessment of what's going on. Yeah, that's wheat growth. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's coming in. Um, again, it's Wednesday, and I will be tweeting an update, sadly marking my loss on Twitter. So please rush to at Wannabet Podcast on Twitter to see a picture of this horrible 70s porn stash that is taking root on my upper lip as a punishment for coming in third. You know, when I grow a mustache, my wife says I look like Mario from Super Mario Brothers, and I, I can barely see yours. I mean, that is that is really weak. You look like a middle-aged Freddie Mercury, okay? <laughs> Almost maybe like Freddie Mercury during his last days on this planet. I, I, I don't know. I mean, are we going to see you now in these commercials with Frank Thomas and and – uh, Doug Flutie about low testosterone. What's going on? Why can't, you can't grow a mustache? What's the deal? First of all, it's been like three days. You haven't seen it in a couple of days. I am contractually bound to grow it, I think, till Saturday. So there will be an update posted on Wednesday, and I'll probably post one Friday or Saturday. So by Saturday, uh, there'll be a full bush, if you will. We have bush. We have bush. We will definitely have bush by Friday or Saturday. I'm not proud, by the way. This was a terrible week for me. I'm, I'm slinking around in shame. Uh, it's like Shiv at my house. I've covered all the mirrors. Uh, but what are you going to do? Listen, I, I heard you're wearing a COVID mask so you don't have to show off the mustache. That's bullshit, man. <laughs> Nobody said that was not allowed. I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, 
I am putting week five behind me. It's in the rear view mirror. And let's turn our attention to week six. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So as we do every week, a thousand new dollars have gone into both our banks. We're going to turn our attention to the games, the lines, the teams that we like coming up. Miles, why don't you start us off with one of your favorite bets for week six? Yeah, before I do, I want to make two points. Uh, One point is, since last week, we've had people ask if they can be a guest on our show, like Jay Juskow, and the answer is yes, but we need you to be like our man Don here and interact with us on Twitter. Show us what you got. So we want to see your picks. Tweet at us. Let us know you're listening. Show us that you're interacting with the show, and you too can be a guest on the WannaBet podcast. I'd like to direct everyone's attention to lesson one from last week's podcast, which was stop betting against home underdogs. And David, if you would have just listened to me, uh, two of your three bets would not have lost. You know, and I say this every podcast, and I've always been reluctant to follow my own advice. So last week I followed my advice, and I did not bet against home underdogs. But let me amend lesson one and add lesson 1A, which I did not do, which is start betting on home underdogs, okay? And there's a slight difference with that lesson. Lesson one says, don't bet against. So last week I avoided the games entirely. And this lesson 1A is, trust yourself and start betting on, okay? Now, I looked at this week and I'm not ready to start betting on home (laughs) underdogs. So I'm going to continue with lesson one and avoid those games. Uh, And here we are. My uh, first bet is New York Jets plus seven against Green Bay. So last week I saw that Green Bay was giving the Giants eight points in London, and I thought that's way too many points. We talked about it on the podcast. I thought about making that bet with Jessgau, but I did not because I was reading that other handicappers thought Green Bay was going to win the game and cover the game, and all of them were wrong. Green Bay lost outright to the Giants. And I've watched Green Bay play several games this season. And while they have the talent at skill positions, they just don't know how to blow teams out, uh, except for the Bears, but everyone has the potential to blow out the Bears. So until I see more of Green Bay, you know, do what they're capable of doing, I will bet against them as favorites by a touchdown or more. And this might be another place where I ought to buy the half point and make it just plus seven and a half. But again, um, I've got a favorable minus 105 line, and I'm hoping that the Jets make it closer than seven. So I'm betting 420 to win 400. I'm not saying the Jets are that good, but they won last week as an underdog. They're three and two against the spread. Um, The offense keeps getting better. Maybe they're only good when a backup quarterback gets in the game like they were with Miami and like they were with Pittsburgh. So maybe Brett Favre needs to get injured for the Jets to win, but I'm taking this bet, Jets plus seven. That's my first bet. I think one of your batting, betting strategies is you look at whoever Green Bay is playing, and if it's a plus, and if the number is greater than a one, 
you're seriously considering that bet only because Green Bay has shown no ability to distance themselves from any team. Yeah, when you think they ought to be shoving the ball to Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon, they're not. You know, you see Aaron Rodgers, you know, getting mad at his receivers for not catching every ball. And, you know, he's getting old and not nearly as mobile. He's not making any first downs with his legs. Um I'm I'm kind of anti Green Bay. I think they're a pretender. Yeah, I think that's it. You're the the anti Green Bay better. All right, so that's your bet one in the can. Um, so remind me again, Miles. What is what is rule number one in betting? Well, my rule number one is stop betting against home underdogs. Okay, so I'm gonna take Baltimore minus five and a half over the Giants in New York. So apparently as much as you repeat that rule and tell us how it wins over and over again, I just cannot get the lesson because I am taking the road favorite. Here's why. I think that the Giants, despite some recent success, are a little bit smoke and mirrors. Uh, They went down 10 to nothing against Green Bay. And I think if the situation were reversed, Baltimore has a better defense and the Giants aren't coming back if they get behind. The Giants are not good at stopping the run, and I think Baltimore is just too many weapons. Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Andrews. I think the Ravens are going to take away Sequan Barkley. They're going to force Daniel Jones to throw the ball. And if that's the case, and your number one receiver is Darius Slayton, that does not scare me. I think in this game, the Giants come back to earth. I think Baltimore wins by a touchdown. I've got 220 to win 200. Take your rule one, throw it out the door. Baltimore wins as a road favorite. I don't disagree that the Giants have overachieved and need to come back to the world, but uh, I'm sticking with my lesson number one. It's proven true and true these first five weeks of the season. And while I think that Baltimore wins the game, I, I just don't know about the points, and I'm just outright avoiding the betting on that one. You are not wrong, and your weekly score and your bank at the moment shows that your betting strategy of anti-Green Bay and rule number one are better than whatever lack of a strategy I am putting forward. Look, in following my strategy this week, there were a lot of games where there's a road favorite, and so I had to stay away from a lot of games. And as a result, my next pick isn't even uh, picking a side. I'm taking the over-under, and I'm taking the Kansas City Bills over 54 and that's for $330 to win 300 When Casey got together with Tampa Bay two weeks ago, 52 points were scored by halftime, if you recall, and that was the highest scoring game uh, of the season. Uh, and then just Monday night when Casey got together with Vegas, the teams combined for 59 points. So this week we're adding Buffalo to the mix, probably the most high-powered offense in the AFC. And while 54 points is kind of a high number, Uh, Buffalo seems to have the appropriate offense to exceed that number. Now, Buffalo has gone under four out of five weeks this season, but that's mostly because the Buffalo defense has been able to shut down average to weak offenses, a la Pittsburgh, a la LA Rams. Well, KC is not a weak offense. I expect this game to be an offensive showcase and hopefully a bunch of touchdowns, but if not, Hopefully just no more missed field goals and extra points. I'm sick of those points coming off the board because the kickers are just not doing their job. Yeah, it's an exciting game. One of the two marquee matchups of the week, without a doubt. So I'm excited to watch this game. Uh, I think that you're going to have a better 
Buffalo defense going against Kansas City than they're used to playing against, kind of balanced out by the fact that the game is in Kansas City. So a lot of great weapons on the field. Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, Mahomes could be running wild. I'm a little bit nervous at a 54 uh, plus minus. It's a lot of points. You know, both teams got to put up almost 30. Um, but if two teams are going to do it, it's going to be these two teams. So there you go. That's my take. What do you have for your second pick? Well, kind of an interesting moment in one of that history here, because you and I are both on the same game, but different bets. So I will jump out there and say that I am in this case, uh, swapping the, uh, home road favorite thing. And I am taking the Philadelphia Eagles at four and a half over the Dallas Cowboys at home, 440 to win 400. This is the other marquee game of the week. It's the Sunday night game. And interesting to point out that one of the good things about, well, could be good or bad, I should say. Uh, in this case, it's good for me. If you get in early on a line, sometimes that line moves in your favor. And that's the case for me. Because right now, the line is six, minus six for Philadelphia. But I locked in yesterday at minus four and a half. So for me, this is going to be two very good defenses. Dallas is an exceptional defense. Philadelphia is a solid defense. But the Dallas offense, even with Cooper Rush at quarterback, is unpredictable. And I give the advantage to the Philadelphia offense with Jalen Hurts and his running ability being the wild card. Philadelphia Eagles are a top seven team, both in points scored and points allowed. So I believe that on Sunday night, Fired up in Philadelphia, four and a half points. Philadelphia is going to win this game by a touchdown. They're going to cover that score. That's actually my big bet at 440 to win 400. I'm going to comment on yours by talking about my third bet, which is that Dallas-Philly game, but I'm taking the over, which is 42 points. Okay, And that one is $250 to win 227. Dallas games usually go under. Uh, and this season, unders are coming in much more often than overs. But according to Juskow, betting unders is un-American. I don't think that's quite true. Uh, I'm all about betting smart and taking profits. But this rivalry game ought to be a great matchup. And I think points will be scored. Uh, indeed, like you said, Philadelphia is known for giving up points, as they did with Detroit in week one. Uh, and even Jacksonville was able to throw up 21 points against them. So Philadelphia scores, but they get scored on. And I was looking for an under this week. I really was, but simply thought, you know, 42 points, a mere six touchdowns should be easier to come by uh, in this game. You know, Philly right now is in sports heaven. You got the Phillies making noise. You got the Eagles undefeated. I think they're going to be amped up for this game. Uh, it's good to be a Philly fan right now. And if Philly's going to win, they're going to need to score a bunch on Dallas, and that's what I'm hoping for here. I think 42 is just too low for this one, and that's why I'm taking the over. So I am hoping that the final score in this game is 24-17 to 17 Philadelphia. Yeah, that, uh, that doesn't work out so well for me, does it? No, it really doesn't. The only thing that makes me nervous about when you talk about a game that has two really good defenses and the over in the same sentence – Makes me a little bit nervous, but what do I know? I'm in second place in our competition. So that'll be a fun game for both of us to watch. 
So my third bet is a money line bet. I am taking New England on the money line bet over Cleveland plus 130. So I'm betting 340 to win 442. Now I looked at this game and for a minute I was going to take uh, New England plus three. And then I thought, you know what, at plus three, when they have a very solid running attack. So in the world of New England versus Cleveland, Cleveland is terrible against the run. They had Miles Garrett back against the Chargers, and the Chargers ran wild against them, like over 260 yards. New England rushes more than any other team. They rush almost 60% of the time. They had a moment with Ramondre Stevenson, who rushed for over 160 yards. He's fresh. Uh, You can't stop Bailey Zappi. You can only try to control Bailey Zappi. I think they win outright. Uh, I don't like the Cleveland offense. I think they're inconsistent. I ju- think Jacoby Brissett is is wild and not accurate. I think that's going to hurt them. I think Bill Belichick has proven, even without Tom Brady, that he can scheme a defense. Uh, he used to coach in Cleveland. I think he's going to come in there with a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to have plans for the Cleveland Browns. And they win that game, and I think I'm going to put some nice money in my bank 340 to win 442 on the money line. I think I'm getting a text from Nick Chubb. I mean, Brown Daddy. And uh, Brown Daddy doesn't like this bet. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Brown Daddy uh, will definitely show up as he always does. But again, if I'm scheming to stop Brown Daddy, Nick Chubb, and putting all my eggs in Jacoby Brissett throwing against me, I'll take that bet. I think that's going to be a competitive game. I've been surprised with how well New England has performed with backup quarterbacks. And, you know, Cleveland's at home, which the dog pound is a difficult place to play. We'll see. It's a it's a gutsy one for you, and it's a, a way for you to try to make up some of the gap by taking that money line and, uh, you know, having more at stake to, to possibly win. So good for you. Definitely part of my strategy. I wanted to uh, put a little bit more uh, risk and reward out there. So they have to win outright. Um, And I want to give a final shout out. It is Wednesday and I'm not betting this game as part of one of bet, but my Padres are playing game two of the NLDS. What a matchup tonight. You Darvish versus Clayton Kershaw. If this game were maybe a little later in the week, I would have taken the Padres, just because I'm just a terrible inveterate homer, on the money line at plus 165. I actually think that Darvish on the mound against Kershaw in this game, they have a chance. It's really their only chance. They have to win tonight and go to San Diego on Friday, having tied the series at 1-1, because the Dodgers are not only an amazing juggernaut, but they are in the heads of my Padres, and we have to sort of shake that. Although I do like how the Padres showed up against the Mets. They really showed me something in that series. For all of us here at News Center 4, I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. I am on a plane today to head up to Nevada, and I'm actually going to be able to bet not just our football games, but I'll be able to bet baseball as well. So it's an interesting proposition you bring up, saying that you wish maybe you could bet that game. I uh, I will look at the line for you and let you know what it is in case you want to throw a little money on you, Darvish. I mean, we know that Kershaw during the playoffs can be, you know, hot and cold, but it's tough with, uh, with that Dodger team. They're pretty much good all the way up and down the lineup, uh, which is not to say the Padres aren't, they just haven't been really firing on all cylinders. If you ask me, I think Juan Soto has not been as good as he can be. Um, 
you know, I think Machado shows up in certain spots, but he's not, you know, a threat all the time. We'll see. Um, you know, Darvish versus Kershaw should be an interesting one. And uh, I think that one might be an over-under line of like seven or seven and a half. And I, I might actually take the over as well. Those guys are, are hittable. It's going to be a fun game. And as I've said to a couple of friends of mine, I believe that baseball playoffs are a lot about pressure. And I said that it was an advantage for the Padres to play the first round in New York because all of the pressure was on the Mets. And when the Padres got to Scherzer in game one, hit four home runs and won that game, you could almost feel the Mets tightening up. And sure, DeGrom threw a great game. But I think that if it had been reversed and been in San Diego, it would have been worse for the Padres, which is why I was hoping beyond hope that they could get to the Dodgers in game one, because when you have all the expectations of a team that performed that well and suddenly you've lost game one at home, all sorts of different factors start to come into play in terms of tightness and not playing loose. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, but I still think they can sort of ratchet that up if they can somehow steal the game tonight. So I'll be watching. Yeah, I I love baseball playoffs. By the way, as a Cubs fan, which I know you are, I saw a funny sign that you'll appreciate. Somebody put on a sign outside their restaurant or whatever. So the Cardinals ended up playing two more games than the Cubs this year. Big whoop. (laughs) I saw that. That was at Murphy's uh, uh, bar right next to Wrigley Field. So what a time for sports. We got the NFL in full swing, great baseball playoffs, NBA starts next week, right? Start soon. Hockey's coming. A lot of stuff going on. Hockey started last night. Hockey started last night. I uh, I won 50 cents on DraftKings. I'm very excited about that. I, I didn't know anything about anyone, but I just decided to play a, a game. But yeah, we've got uh, the NBA happening next week, so that'll be fun. And uh, maybe we'll be adding on to more than our NFL picks. So, um, But this will be a good week. I like that we're both going to be watching the Sunday night game and be on different you know aspects of it. So... Yeah, good stuff. Hopefully by uh, that time your mustache will have grown in and you won't look like such a weird dude right now. Let me tell you that. Well, you can follow the progress of my mustache on Twitter at Wannabat. Sorry, at Wannabat Podcast. Safe travels to you up to Reno. Have a great time betting, golfing, playing poker. Uh, You're living my dream life. Yeah, love your body, Larry. All right, everybody. Take care. Peace. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. 
Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid. 